0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at MyPromiseChurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy.
1: Well, come on and praise Him together one more time. Can we do that? Come on, let's just take a moment and praise Him together this morning. Hallelujah. We've come to praise you. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. So glad to be with you today. I feel that God is going to speak to us today. I feel the presence of the Lord in the house. I want to say thank you to this worship team. And I just want to say today that whatever you've come in expecting God to do, I'll tell you, He's able to do. Uh, He's able to do exceeding, abundantly, and above whatever you could even ask or think. So I just want to give a moment right now for us to just lift up a prayer. I want to just, before we go any further, just to give an opportunity for prayer and Um, I wonder how many would just say in the house today that they've got something that they are asking God for, that they're believing God to do in their life. Can I see some hands in the house? I see a lot of hands in the house. I believe that God is a God that meets us at the point of our need. He meets us at the point of our need. And I tell you that He is a way maker. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a door opener. Somebody said he's a bridge over troubled water, he's a deliverer, he's a savior, he is a way maker. I just want to give an opportunity today before we go any further to just kind of set that table and just believe that God is able to meet you. Now, in any kind of crowd, I don't know what you're facing, what you're asking God, what you're believing God for, but I believe that God can meet you right away where you're at today. How many just lift up their hands and begin to pray? Lord Jesus, I just pray all over this house, God. I pray that you would meet us today. Lord, you know the needs of your people. God, you are able to meet them, Lord, for provision, for, for healing, for strength, for deliverance, God. I pray, Lord, that you would meet us right in this place, God. I just pray, Lord, every lifted hand be a hand that is inviting your presence into this room, Inviting your presence into our hearts, God. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us, that you would speak to us, that you would begin to work, that you would begin to move, that you would begin to do what only you can do, God. And I pray that as we go out from this house today, that we would know that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are ministering to us, God. And I thank you for everything that you're doing in this house, and we thank you. We praise you. How many say in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise together one more time. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Now, I uh, I want to tell everybody, I want to tell everybody that um, this Sunday, this Wednesday, I'm already on next Sunday, this, this Wednesday is First Wednesday. Now, First Wednesday is the time where we have... A live service in this room it's a time where kind of our first service and our second service can get together and I'll tell you I'm, I want to emphasize first Wednesday this time because it snuck up on even me I thought some I, I was trying to uh, even me because I have to be here I have to preach that's why that was I was trying to, to jab at myself there uh, I've got to be here. I've got to preach it, in fact, too, so I, uh, I need to know when it is. I didn't even realize it's this Wednesday till like yesterday, uh, but it, it sneaks up on you because it's December 1st, and I know there's a lot of things happening in December. Your calendar is probably uh, very heavy because of all of the holiday stuff, but I want to invite you to come this Wednesday. First Wednesday, uh, set a calendar alarm, write it in your calendar, whatever you do, have your iPhone uh, remind you, have Alexis remind you, Siri, Alexa remind you. Sorry, I'm an Apple guy. Alexa, thank you. Uh, I thought it was Alexis. Uh, Siri reminds you, Alexa reminds you, whatever it is uh, that first Wednesday is this Wednesday. It's at 7 o'clock. I want to tell you the worship team does a phenomenal job on that night. Um, I When we kind of went to this first Wednesday model, I said, let's just have kind of an elongated worship set, good worship. I think that's what people want. That's what people need maybe in the middle of their week. And I'll tell you we've had some great times of worship and um, and then I just give a quick encouraging word that I think will bless you. And um, so we've we always even have some fellowship afterward, just whatever it is, they've got cookies, sometimes brownies, ice cream, whatever just to just because I know people are rushing here and maybe throwing chicken nuggets at the kids in the back seat on the way here or just just rushing from work and whatever. So we want to give you a sugar you know crash or something. I don't know. want to give you something uh, and to just hang out afterward and, and have a good time. But um, I'd love for you to get in the habit of first Wednesday. Um I, I remember um, in Hebrews 11, it said that some people are in the habit of, of being in church. Some people are in the habit of not being in church. Um, I want us to get in the habit of first Wednesday and just pack this place out. In fact, the last, I want to say since like August, we've had just a full house on Wednesday. In fact, it started when we did the teenagers five for five. I think that was in July. And I, we need to do that again because the house was really packed to, to hear the teenagers five for five. So if, uh, whatever you got to do, uh, cut out of work a few minutes early. Um, if you got to come in, uh, dirty clothes, dress clothes, I don't know if you're a postman or a plumber or whatever, but just come, uh, how you are and, uh, and it'll be a blessing. So I'd love to see you uh, on Wednesday night. And, um, Today we're gonna have one. One thing I love. One thing I I think that a great church is able to do is able to uh, is able to have ministry inside the house, and I'm excited because I think that God has really begun to bless our church uh, with so much ministry inside our house, and we do these five for fives a few times a year. We started doing it once a year, then it was like we've got. A lot of folks that can bless the church, let's do it twice a year. I think we've done it three times this year. Um, And um, just growing ministry in the house is what's happening. And so I've got two young men that are going to speak to us. Anytime somebody's younger than you, don't you call them young? Is that right? Is that how that works? When I'm like 80, I'm going to be saying that the 70-year-old whippersnapper young guy or whatever. But so these these young men they got families there, but they're still young guys to me because I'm older than them. So we got a couple young guys gonna preach today, and I wonder if the church would preach with them. And uh, they've always done an amazing job in five for fives in our early morning devotionals. I wanted to give them uh, a little bigger window to, to preach and to minister. So how oh, we've got Nathan Richer and Nathan and Cecily. They lead our worship team. They've been involved in ministry in this house for a long time. They do a great job leading our worship team. And then Lauren Sanders is going to preach after him. He's a worship team member and a youth team member as well, and him and Tyra have been involved with ministry here for a long time. So neither one of these are strangers to the house. The only reason I'm up here right now is to remind you about First Wednesday and then let Nate give Nate a runway. So let's welcome Nate Richer as he comes. Let's preach with him, and let's preach with Leron as well. God bless you.
0: Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor. Um, I, uh, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to be here. I think it might have been a trap from our pastor, though. I think everybody's got all that tryptophan from the turkey, and we're feeling all sleepy. I think he just wanted to get out of this Sunday, but we'll do that. We'll afford him that one. Um, Real quick, while we're standing, I want to read our verse, Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. This is uh, after he is preaching in the temple, or teaching in the temple. Um, There's that whole whole interaction with, I have to go about my father's business. Um, And then before this verse, he's 12 years old. After this verse, he is 30 years old, so we have an 18-year gap, and all it says about those 18 years is this, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Um, this is a short verse with a lot of big ideas encapsulating it. Uh, we know that Jesus was fully God, and that we know that he was fully man, which is a hard thing to, to wrap our head around. Um I get that he needed to grow taller. I understand that. Um, but hearing that he grew in wisdom is, is kind of a kind of a hard one to wrap your mind around. Um, it's the same thing, like, why did Jesus need to get baptized? You know, like, I, you'd think he had all the wisdom. He, he had no sin to be forgiven, to be washed away. Um, so there's a lot to this verse. I feel like these 14 words, should these 18 years, should be a whole book about themselves. They should be a, at least a chapter or two. But, nope, we get one verse, um, and I think there's some significance to it just being the one verse and what it is, because before he performed any miracles, before he fed the 5,000, before he healed the blind and restored the lepers, before he walked on water, it said he increased in wisdom and in stature, and then he grew in favor with God and with man. He grew. Uh, I want to explore that a little bit this morning and go into how we can use Jesus as our example. I think it's the same reason that he was baptized is he wanted to set an example for us. Um, so what can we gain from this one short little verse, this this huge time jump? Um, I think a big part of it and why he did this and why the verse is laid out the way that it is, um, is there's one thing that we have that God doesn't have, and that's time. God is, is exempt from time. He is above time. Um, and most of the time, most often, we feel, I particularly feel like that's a burden. Um, time is an obstacle, it's a barrier, it's, it's something that's in the way or holding me back. Um, if I didn't have time to worry about, I could skip around and get a better job, or if I didn't have time, then I could rewind when I had more hair, or you know, anything in between. Um, I'm frustrated about traffic because it's wasting my time. Uh, I have other things I could be doing. I have a finite amount of things that I can do. Um, when we, we go to work, we clock in, we clock out. Most of the time, it's measured by time, not right. effort, not the amount of work that we get done. Right. Um, so it's this, this big thing that's always in the way. But I'm starting to come around to the idea that it might not be a, a curse. It might be a gift. This might be a blessing and not a nuisance. Because sure. without time, I have nothing to grow with. If, if God found me, if I found God at the baseline when I did, I wouldn't be good enough. But he called me for more, and I wasn't able to just jump into that. I had to take time and grow with that. Um, so when you think about it, it's kind of a blessing. Is God is giving us grace. He's giving us mercy in this extra way that, you know, he doesn't have to abide by. Um, and then he came into this world with humility where we're talking about, you know, we're getting all the Christmas stuff sorted. I see decorations up. We're starting to think about the Christmas story. Um, and he came to this earth with humility. He didn't come to this earth in glory. You know, riding on a, on a stallion. He came lying in a manger. He came and he humbled himself to the laws that he created for men. Um, and one of those was time. And instead of just coming to earth, freeing Israel and, and leading the whole world, he had to come and he had to wait, which I find interesting. Um, it said he waited 18 years, increasing in wisdom, stature, favor with God, and favor with man. And I think one of the biggest things that we can take from this, like I was touching on earlier, is that his first earthly message, before he taught anything else, before he performed any miracles, he was saying, I understand you. He was saying he understands us because he lived that time. He lived that life. Um, Remember when Moses is is talking to the burning bush, um, he says, I can't do this. I can't free Israel. I can't talk to Pharaoh. I have a speech impediment. I, you know, I'm slow of speech. And the burning bush reaches out and says, who made your mouth? Right. Right? So this is Jesus saying, I understand everything that you have to do because I went through it. There was times when I was ready to move on, but I had to wait, which we can all get frustrated with whatever stage of life that we're in. But it could be that maybe the stage of life that we're in is exactly where God wants us to be. Um, You know, everything that God does is perfect. His action is perfect. But if you're in a waiting period, then that means his inaction is just as perfect as his action. So if he's doing something for you or he's not doing something for you, maybe it's because it's the perfect time for you to grow into the next step that he has for you. Um, So um, just like I was saying earlier, I think this verse is showing us, it's preparing us um, for for what we have in the future. And I think that applies to us individually, but it can also talk to us as a church. It can talk to us as promise. Think about, uh, you know, where we were five years ago. I don't want to do it, but uh, I could almost say, who wasn't here five years ago and see how many hands were raised? And it would be surprising how many people have come to this church in that period of time when five years ago we could have been frustrated about who wasn't here, but we were growing and we were taking off the same way. Um, so Jesus is here. He spends all this time preparing his ministry. Um, you know, the, the the Bible calls him a carpenter. So he had a job. He clocked in, he clocked out, you know, and all the things that accompanied that. So um, I want to get into this verse a little bit and see what we can glean from this and what we can do from uh, from reading it here. So the first thing that says is that Jesus increased in wisdom. Um, I would say there is a scarcely more desirable trait found in the Scripture than wisdom. Um, when Solomon is asked by God, essentially, what do you want? You know, he says, "What? you know, I will grant you whatever you want. And he says, uh, I want wisdom. I want discernment. Um, in, in 1 Kings it says, so God said to him, You have asked for this, or since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in heart, or discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will, be, or there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings." And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Yeah. Notice here that God said, since you asked for wisdom, yeah. I will grant it to you. That makes me think that maybe if he asked for long life or for happiness, I, I, I think happiness is a good one. I think I would have reached for happiness before wisdom. Um, I uh, I don't know if God would have granted those. Um, and maybe I'm reading too, inch, too much into this, but I think he did it because he clearly cared about Solomon and he cared about Israel. Um, Obviously, we know that he cared about all of them, but if Solomon just wished to be a richer king, that wouldn't have been better for Israel. It wouldn't have been better for Solomon, Um, but he could have just said, I want to be more successful, but what does that look like? And, you know, he could have wished to be happier. He could have wished to be taller than any of the other kings, but he said, I wanted to be wise and I wanted to be um, capable of, of handling the tasks that have been set out for me. Um, and I think he, that showed that he was worth investing in. Um, Proverbs 2.6, it says, the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In James chapter 1, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding, um, excuse me, um, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Right. Then again in James chapter 3, it says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, Consider it submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Yeah. So we see that this is kind of echoing all over the Bible. It's in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament that wisdom is is worth having. And we see Jesus made a point to say to say that it was his first thing. He increased in wisdom. Um, in Matthew chapter twenty-five, there's a there's a popular um, popular parable. It's called the parable of the talents. Um, I looked it up, and a talent was like a bag of money. Um, a bag of gold specifically, which sounds a little bit more um, scary to be carrying around a bag of gold, but um, it says that there's an old master going away and he entrusts some of his finances to some servants that he has. One is given five bags and he invests it and he makes back five. Um, Another is given two, he invests it, he makes two more. Um, And both of these, to both of these men, the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. A third man is given one bag of gold, which doesn't sound like a lot compared to the other two, but it's still a a bag of gold. I don't wanna crank out the math on that, but it's probably more than I got in my pocket right now. And he says uh, he's afraid, and he just buries it, and he gives that back, the same bag of gold, to the master when he gets back. And he wasn't pleased. Um, So, you know, that man's heart might have been in the right place. He was trying to protect his, you know, what he was entrusted with, but he wasn't wise with the investment that he was given. and I'll say it this way, if, if God has done nothing for you and given nothing to you, then you don't need wisdom. You don't have anything to increase that or you don't have anything to do with that. Um, but if Jesus didn't have a mission for you today, then he wouldn't care about your wisdom. So he's done too much for all of us, for me, to let us squander it. So he wants to give us something and tell us how to keep it. So it says wisdom will preserve you um, and it's going to increase what God's already done for you. Um, the word increased in that verse in Luke, um, it says, it obviously means wit, like increased, gained, uh, to moving forward, to grow. Um, but I also looked it up, and you can see it in the context of blacksmithing. And they would say, it, you know, a, a piece, a component was being increased. They would hammer it out and spread it. And, and you know, when it was hot, they would hammer it down and, and push it into the mold that they wanted it to be in. Um, so you could say that increasing in wisdom is getting smarter or using your knowledge differently but you can also say that it's shifting your perspective to be more in line with what God has for you um, it says that God will give generously to those who ask for wisdom so maybe he could be doing that by increasing our knowledge inc- increasing our wisdom but it could be that if we focus our perspective what we have is already enough and we're just aligning what our focus with what God has um, I like that that we're all familiar with the example of the Potter's wheel where God is shaping us and, and slowly moving us. Um, and looking back personally, I like that analogy, but if God could just beat some knowledge into me with a hammer at some point, I probably would have been better would have been better off. Um, but I do like that Im- imagery of being forged, increased, advanced, toughened, um, and pushed forward by God who cares about you because he has a purpose for you and he wants to see you increase that. It also says um, that he increased in favor with God uh, there's that Psalm that says, uh, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, I will make thy enemies thy footstool. Um, and it's one of those things where at surface level, it's God's talking to God again, but he's talking to himself and how's this working? Um, I think this is just another one of those oneness verses that you have to kind of dig into a little bit. Um, there's, he's increasing his favor with God. Um, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, But we see that Jesus made conscious efforts at different points in his ministry. Before he did anything, he always acted in faith. He always led with prayer. He always led with fasting. Um, He's always speaking from prophecy and from the law. Um, And in fact, when he's tempted, every retort he has, he says, it is written. He could have just as easily said, no, or I kicked you. I'm the one that kicked you out of heaven. He could have said all these things, but he said, it is written he wanted to set that example for us. It's so foundational that this the baseline of our our growth and our increase is increasing in favor with God, that later on, Jesus used that. It's so foundational. He literally used the example of a foundation. Um, In Matthew chapter 7, it says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet, it did not fall, because as the foundations of the rock are, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, a stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Um, I think it's very interesting to note that Jesus, a carpenter, a builder. Some translations of the word carpenter mean. I've heard people argue that it could mean a stonemason or Somebody who's working in rocks. I'm not exactly sure, but we know that it's, it's crucial to building and construction and, and making things. Um, but Jesus, he understood this, and he didn't say the man who bought the house that was already based on the rock. He said the man who built his house on the rock. Um, I've never built a house. I'm going to get with, with Scott after church and see how long that takes, but it seems like a longer process. I mean, you can drive by the construction, it'll take weeks or months or years. There's that that building on I-4 that's been there for a couple decades, you know? Um, so, this is a slower process. It's not a, a light switch, jump in, jump out kind of moment. Um, but isn't that kind of how it works in our relationship with God? Is it slow? It's, it's incremental. We're going step by step and going into new levels. Um, so, you can see that if you're building. You don't build the stairs before you lay the floor. You don't build the second floor and the roof before you have all the, you know, all the the studs and the framing, everything set up. And that's kind of just how it is. I think it was foundational as we grow forward, as we move forward, you know, we're p- going on the base that we already have and we're moving to that next level. Right. So if you've been in church your whole life or the whole morning, it's the same aspect. You're moving forward, you're going to that next level. Um, and Jesus knew this. He said to his disciples, You're drinking milk, you're not ready for meat yet. But that wasn't a dig, it wasn't an insult it was God saying, making an assessment and saying, this is where you're at now, and eventually you're going to move to the next step, um, because God knew that next step. He understood the process of moving forward and basing everything off what you have. Um, so, when you're increasing in favor with God, it's also not a one-way street. God wants that connection. He wants the relationship, and you're walking and building together. It also says that he increased in favor with man, and This one doesn't seem as significant as the last one or as wisdom, Um, but I think there's a lot to this. Um, I believe that individually and corporately, there's a lot we can base on this. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were trying to trip up Jesus, and they asked him uh, what the greatest commandment was. And in Matthew chapter 22, it says, um, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And the law of the prophets, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Right, yeah. Is anyone else at, at work like the church guy, you know, or like the the, the, the one Christian that goes to church, uh, or that goes to the, to the work that you go to? Um, in one of our life groups recently, we were talking about reaching out to people, and I brought up that I often find myself being like, the church guy at work. And I'm not like a very outspoken person. I'm I'm, uh, I'm pretty reserved. And I just, it always ends up coming out. Sometimes you get blessed. You have some backup. I got Chris there in the back that, that he works with me. So he's helping me out a little bit. But um, you know, you're like the Christian one when you walk into someone's office or a common area and it just gets really hush. Because they were they were probably talking about something that you they didn't want you to hear, which I appreciate. If I don't want to hear it, just, you know, help me out. Um, but one thing that that comes with is people love to talk to you about why they don't go to church. Um, I had a coworker tell me two or three times recently that he doesn't like church because there's a couple people on the, the TV channel. Was it TBN, the one with uh, the, the preachers on it? Um, he said that there's one lady on that that network that he doesn't like, so he doesn't go to church, which I don't quite see the equivalency, but maybe he's just looking for an excuse. But the classics are oh, I, I believe in God, I'm just, I just—I don't care for organized religion. Or, oh, I just go to church in my heart. Or, I grew up in church, but I just saw all the church politics and everything, and I just got sick of it. Um, it is astonishing how often you hear something like that, of people saying, oh, I used to go to church, and then you know, I moved and I didn't really care, or you know, whatever the situation was. I, um, I don't know what, what God has called each and every one of us to do. I don't know what he has in store for us. Um, if I knew where God was charting my life, you know, five, ten years ago, and where, where we'd be, I mean, I, I think I'd be impressed. I didn't think it was it would be possible, but I can see that in the church, too. I mean, I remember years ago, we had a tiny little, uh, little congregation, and now we're busting at the seams, and we have two services, um, but we could be doing everything right. The music could be perfect. The sermons could be on point and everything would be great, um, but if we weren't sharing that with other people, if we weren't growing that and connecting with people, um, then we'd be failing our mission to spread the church and spread the love of Christ. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, we're the light of the world, and not to hide our light, but to let it shine for all the world. When Jesus was 12 years old, he was teaching in the temple. He was with the the church folk um, of the day, but after 18 years he didn't go back and start teaching in the temple. He started finding broken people, hurting people. He found people who were ejected, rejected or accused. And, and I'm glad that he didn't stop doing that, because if, if he stopped doing that, then myself and a lot of people here probably wouldn't be here today. Um, and I've always, it, whatever hard times, whatever things happen, God has always been a comfort to me. And I know he's, he's done that for everyone here. But more often than not, God doesn't clap his hands and send a thunderclap and say, thus saith the Lord, everything's okay. He sends somebody else. He sends somebody else from within the church, from within the body that can reach out and be that be that hand for you. Um, so it says that he increased in favor with God. We understand that. But then he increased in favor with man. That doesn't just mean he became more likable. It might mean that he knew how to talk to people. He knew how to reach out to people. He knew who needed help and who didn't. He knew who needed uh, what kind of outreach. So Uh, I mean, we see this when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He invited his friends to come with him because he was going through a hard time. He understood that in this trying time, I need somebody else. Just like in our trying times, we need him or we need somebody else. So you can find that kind of relationship here. You can find those connections here. But you can also grow and be that person as you increase in favor with everyone else around you. Um, As the church grows, as we grow personally so too should the connections. It shouldn't just be a straight line, me to church, church to me. It should be kind of a spider web where I'm reaching out to other people and other people are connecting to me. Um, so I, uh, if I could see that verse one more time in Luke, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and man. Right. Um, I'm coming to a close here, but I want to remind everyone that this wasn't overnight. This was over 18 years. Jesus one who created it all, who died for us on the cross, he didn't just poof and it was better. You know, he took time to grow into what he had as an example for us. Not because he couldn't do that from the start, but because he wanted to set that example for us that um, you know you can be ready for something, or you can think you can be ready for something, um, but it all just doesn't line up yet. And sometimes that's because God's doing it in a better way than what we had in store for ourselves. If if Jesus came right down. December 25th, Christmas morning, full grown, ready to start the world. Um, Hallelujah, amen, that'd be great, but I don't think it'd be as perfect as the situation that he laid out uh, that he did. So sometimes the things that we can have in store for ourselves, the best answer that we have is yes, right now, right away, but maybe God says, wait a little bit, you know, take some time to grow. And when you're going through those hard times, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're on your own or that you're doing something wrong, but it can mean God's preparing you. If this is hard today, it might be easy tomorrow. And the thing that's hard tomorrow might be easy the day after that. And with those stepping stones, with those building blocks, we can accomplish all the things that God has set us out to do. Um, So if you're frustrated with the timeline of things that we have going on, if you're wanting to skip ahead a few rungs on the ladder, um, just keep in mind that God is right there next to you and he made the ladder. You know, He he laid out the steps for you. And the things that he's laid out are better than the things that you can lay out for yourself. You just have to trust him. You have to follow that path to success. I wonder what we have in store for promise next year. 2020 was, there's a lot going on, but it was a good year for the church. 2021 was a good year for the church. Um, all, all, you know, everything in the news says that we should be going, you know, it should be harder to meet together. It should be harder to connect and grow but God just keeps going and growing and pushing us in spite of that. So I wonder what's going on next year, and I wonder what's going on in 10 years. So um, I wonder what's in store for tomorrow, what each and us, every one of us has going on, but what I know the next step is is to increase in knowledge and wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Um, if we could stand, let's give a, a welcome to Leron as he comes up, and we can close in prayer while we're switching over, but uh, Lord, we thank you for this time that you've done for us. Lord, I ask that you would uh, have your hand on us as we grow, as we commit to a new level with you, Lord, as, ye, as we follow your example in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And,
2: uh, we'll go to the word. I, uh, off of what Nate's saying... I kind of feel like he should have uh, went second, because I'm going to be talking about uh, moments. And uh, I believe what he stated there is what happens after moments, um, growth, a a growing process. But I'll go ahead and treat this like a a five for five. It'll be a one for five, so (laughs) five minutes I'll be done. Um, No, I tease. But um, we'll go to Acts 17, chapter 16 and 23, and then we'll be seated. Acts 17, 16 through 23, it states that now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and said, what will this babbler say? Others, uh, others said, "He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto him Jesus and the resurrection. Yeah. And they took him and brought him into Erpagus, saying, "May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is, uh, for thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, who would now, therefore, well, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which, w- which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, "Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. And you may be seated. So in this scripture, we see a picture here of Paul seeing a land filled with idolatry. They had monuments. They had gods. They had different things uh, that they had set up to guide their lives. It was a buffet of uh, ideologies and different gods. You can pick and choose what aligns with you for that time frame. And so they would go in day and out. Okay, somebody's coming new. They, They have a fresh idea. What do you have? Maybe it's something that I, can, that I can use for myself right now at this point. Oh, something new is over here. And so they began grabbing different ideas, and Paul comes into this land and sees these things of people given to so many strange customs and so many strange ways, and they're going about their lives, going after these ways and these things. And he obviously, being Paul, we, he knows something. He's like, this is not the direction that they should be going let me bring what I have to offer. And so, they're going to and fro, living their life, jumping here and there. And imagine this, you're in that world and you're in that land and you're like, okay, yeah, I like this, I like this, I like this, or I like this God, but just in case I'm forgetting, let me just set up an altar or something for the unknown God. So I don't wanna miss anything, uh, uh, miss out on any particular God in general. And so Paul comes into and sees this situation. And I do think he's very tactful in what he did. Um, he sees this and he goes, all right, so you guys are very superstitious. You believe in so many things that you even have an altar to an unknown God. Yeah. And he says, well, let me tell you about this unknown God that you're forgetting about. And we see they when he's talking about these things with others, they call him a babbler. So it's strange to me that Paul is going, bringing a new doctrine, as we read, some new idea that they're heaping and wanting to hear. Oh, what's new? I want that, I want that. But when he preaches Jesus and the resurrection, whoa, he's a babbler. He's wild. I don't want to hear about that. And it's very reminiscent of our modern world where, yeah, you can do you, but I don't want to hear about Jesus. I don't want to hear about religion. Right. And they step away. And that's how you see that we, we have a common enemy. There is, a, uh, there is something that we are fighting against. If you are living for Jesus, if you are talking about Jesus, there has been a resistance, as we see, all throughout Scripture and into our modern time. And so Paul comes into this situation, and, oh, he's a babbler. I don't know. I don't want to hear what you have to say, but he continues talking. He continues preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Right. And there's something special about that because though it may start off as, oh, he's a babbler. Oh, I don't really want to hear what you have to say. There is power in Jesus, and there is power in that message. Yeah. So now all of a sudden we have people that are no longer, well, he's a babbler. Well, let's hear what you have to say. Let's hear what's going on in the situation. Yeah. And so now ears are itching. So he, tell, uh, so he begins, if you go further into that scripture, he begins to tell them about this unknown God that they are unaware of. And it's kind of like us. We tend to have gods that we set up. Maybe not as far as a statue or um, I won't will, I will say ideology, but it does become that. What do I mean? Well, I came into church today and I said hey to somebody. They didn't say hey to me. They ignore me. And so now that bitterness creeps in or that. Anger creeps in, and anger begins to guide me. Now I'm mad, and I'm upset, and now that's gonna guide and lead my day. That becomes my God, Or desire for something. Okay, I like this, I'm gonna chase after my desire. That's gonna lead me in this direction. And we become like those people where we start to allow our emotions, or these decisions, or these mindsets guide our lives and dictate our actions. They become our God. Yeah. Yeah. And those moments that take place are vital yeah. spiritually for us, and they're powerful, whether it be for God or not, they dictate and guide us. Yeah. So what is a moment? It's a minute portion of time, uh, a comparatively brief period or, par- or, or present time. And we our life's full of them as Nate was talking about, we live in a construct of time, and we have moments and moments that we live by, and if we allow times in our lives for our emotions to guide us, oh, this happened to me, or I'm hurt, or maybe it's a little, uh, maybe it's not so surface level as somebody sat in my uh, spot at church, or somebody didn't say hey to me, maybe it's a little deeper, maybe you've lost somebody, and now you have that hurt and that pain, and that Causes you to shelter up. That causes you to build bridges and walls and say, oh, I don't want to be hurt again. So now you live your life guiding, uh, being guided by a defense trying to make sure that you don't get hurt again and that you can protect yourself. Or you allow anger, even what uh, what we call happiness. Or we're trying to find our own peace or our own whatever you want to call it. We'll allow that to guide us, and we'll allow that to shape us, and we go, okay, well, this is where I feel right here. This is where I want to go right here, and that becomes our idol. That becomes the next God that we follow after, but we know off the scripture, it says that the heart is desperately desperately wicked. Who can know it, and if you allow yourself to be led in those directions, the end result is not good, but I say all that to say this. Moments are very powerful. And you can see with Jacob and Esau, he's out hunting, doing this thing, trying to get food, and he comes in, parched, famished, tired, just like how we do with our world. It can wear us down. It can tire us out. And we're out in the wilderness, it feels like sometimes, and we come in and we're just like, I just want to relax. And what happened in those moments? We see Esau in a moment give up his birthright for food yeah. to soothe the flesh, yeah. and in a moment gives it up. Yeah. We see David in a moment. Look at Pes- uh, Bathsheba. Yeah. Yeah. And then that moment transpired and allowed for other things to take place. We see so many instances of moments where it leads to downfall, it leads us astray, it leads us to so many things. But I have news for you that's good. This isn't all doom and gloom. Because those very same moments, God can step in. In those very same moments, God can change that situation. So what does that look like again? We see Paul persecuting the church. I I always use Paul just because he's so uh, prevalent in the New Testament. Persecuting the church. And what happened in a moment was blinded and was converted. God, uh, God shone a light on him, blinded him, and in a moment turned his life around. Now he's zealous for God. Now he's on fire for God. And you see uh, throughout Scripture these moments where God steps in and he turns a situation around. Despite you living moment to moment in a certain situation, maybe you were hurt, maybe you are um, trying to search for happiness outside of God, but if you allow God to be the God of your moment, he can turn it around. He can bring those things that you're looking for. So uh, just as they had a, a altar t- to the unknown God, when we're going through our life, we may have moments where we don't, we don't really know where we're going. It's an unknown moment but I challenge us to give that moment to God that we would allow him to work in our lives and he will start to bear fruit and he will start to bear gifts within our lives because there's times where uh, we can have moments where we may not have been serving God or we allowed ourselves to go astray and those moments can look like monuments and say, well, this is what I've done and this is where I've been and this is where I'm going and I don't feel like I can get back to God. But God doesn't care about that situation. He says, what the devil has done took a lifetime to do. I can turn around in a moment for your life. And he's able and willing to do that. In a moment, he spoke. And the earth was created. And there is light. And there was, uh, there was the moon and the stars. He created those in a moment. So looking at uh, Isaiah 10 and 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day, That his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing comes from God. A lot of us sometimes think that we can change our own situations, that we try to get good to get God. And that's not the way that works, because where true change comes is from God. And when you, where do you start? Just the mention of his name. I don't know if um, you've been in a situation where something was going on, but when you called uh, call on that name, a moment of clarity came. A moment of peace came. I know that applies for me. And I wonder if all uh, us in this place just now, why don't we test that out? Why don't we just say, call on that name, Jesus. So anybody in the church, can we say the name Jesus? And something's happening there's something changing in the atmosphere because he brings the anointing, he breaks the yokes, and he allows his spirit to manifest in this place when you call on that name. And so in a moment where you might be lost or whatnot. not, Just calling on that name, things begin to change. Clarity begins to come. Freedom starts to enter into the place. And you may feel burdened down, and you may feel like you have things um, on your chest. But when you call on that name, and when you begin to align yourself and say, this is an unknown moment for me, but I dedicate this to God. And you allow yourself to go moment to moment to moment in his spirit. Things will change, and God begins to move. And that growth can start to take place, as Nate was talking about earlier. So... We'll go to, yep. uh, so I'll, I'll bring you to this story. And it was uh, a story that I heard from uh, Rabbi Zacharias. And he's talking about a story um, of a man who was in prison. Um, and it was in Louisiana, 6,000 uh, 6, prisoners with 85% serving life without parole. And uh, he was walking past uh, the cells of the people who were on death row. And he, he noticed all they had was a toilet, a bed, a table. And then one man he was talking, uh, talking with, who had been there for 18 years, stated that all they can do is read. Um, the prisoner asked if he would pray for him, so he did. And then he went to another prisoner who made crosses from twine and gave two to him. And so he asked him uh, what went wrong. And uh, he told him of the redemption he received. Uh, through Christ. Um, But one of the things he said that kind of stayed with me is, if this Bible was in my classroom, it probably wouldn't have been needed in my cell. And that kind of stuck with me because though in a moment he did come to Christ, he reflected and knew that if I had a moment of this when I was younger, I wouldn't be where I am today. He understood and realized that uh, in a moment, God can transform and change things, and he yeah. can lead me to a better path. Yeah. And uh, with the time I have remaining, um, I'll, I'll tell my story, uh, a little bit more of my story. So um, we see it in Scripture, but I'll, I want you to see it in my, uh, in my testimony as well. God is a great God, and um, definitely works in a moment. And I do believe that I am here today because of God. And that somebody in a moment said, God, I want a, I want a lost soul to come into the church or God, I, uh, I want someone, uh, fresh, fresh people to come into this place. I want somebody else to be saved. I want somebody else to feel the joy and the, uh, the joy of the uh, salvation that you have to offer. And I believe that I'm a product of a prayer answering God. So for me, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate Lynette, because in a moment, she would pick me up, take me to church. She's the reason why I'm here today. I appreciate Stephen because he was a pillar for me. Yeah. And we had moments, he helped me be where I am today. His mom, him, his family, moments of picking me up, moments of bringing me to church, moments of bringing me here for music practice into the youth group. Brother Lloyd, moments of him teaching me Bible studies, picking me up, taking me home. And what I, what I really uh, want to connect this to is there was a moment where I had gone back. Um, I, I had back, so I had gone away from God. And um, I was at Stephen's house, and he had come back from IBC. And I wasn't where I needed to be spiritually. I wasn't in the right mindset or anything like that at all. And uh, he goes, hey, why don't you come with me to IBC? Just visit. I'm like, come on, bro. Like, nah, I'm good. No, just try. And so long story short, I went to IBC. And we went to, uh, the school has something what they call chapel, Um, basically church service. And I went and got in his way in a moment. Started touching my heart, started speaking to me. And those moments where I was was not where I uh, I became. God changed that present moment and put something in me where I was like, okay, well, this is where I want to go. I, w- I want to be here. So I called my mom up. And I said, hey, mom, mom, um, I'm going to be in Indiana, and uh, can you send me clothes? I'm going to be, like, living here, going to school. What do you mean? And like, it, it, I can tell that story later, but, <laughs> uh, but in a moment, God touched my heart. He changed my life, and Put me on a different direction and put me on a different route. He didn't care where I came from and what I did. He said, this is the moment that I'm going to use for my glory, where I can manifest and put myself into you, and I'll allow you to do things um, and allow you to be gifted in the ways that I want to bless you. And it's up for me, uh, up to me for each moment to decide to live that way. And why don't we all stand, musicians, if you'd Come. And so, um, with saying that, I will challenge you, but also encourage you to allow for a moment for God to take uh, to change your situation. I don't know how you came in this morning. I don't know where you are. And even if everything seems to be going all right, and it, even if you feel like you're, all, uh, you're doing well with uh, God spiritually, still take another moment. Dedicate another moment to God, and allow that to be an established pattern in your life, because he is willing to meet you. He is wanting to continually do great things in us if we would allow him this moment and the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. And in those moments, God will continue to grow us and develop us and shape us. He will continue to invest in uh, invest in us. But will you allow that moment? That's what I ask you this morning. So if you feel that challenge or if you, even if you don't, I still encourage you to come up to the front. And allow this altar to be an altar to the God of the moment, Jesus. He is the God of the moment who allows transformation and allows change. And so I'll leave us with that and with that decision. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And we thank you, God, for your spirit in this place. I ask God that you would lead us in this moment and allow transformation to take place in our hearts and in our minds. And that it wouldn't just be a temporary moment in this place. but That we would leave moment to moment looking towards you, hungrier for you than the day before. That you would allow growth to take place in our lives. And that we would continually grow and transform and become what you desire to see in us. In Jesus' name.
0: Once again, thank you so
1: much for listening. Share this message with a friend. And don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.